Hey everybody, Ben Nelson, the Everyday Real Estate Investor here. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. Uh, appreciate you guys listening in and uh, hopefully the episodes have been helpful and encouraging and giving you a lot of tips and um, insights and things like that. So that's the idea. Um, again, um, the the my heart behind this and the intention and um, it, I, I really want to reach a broad audience, but I just know that there's a lot of people out there that um, it, it gets really easy to make excuses uh, and we all have other things going on. We're busy with professional careers. We're busy with family. We're, we want to have a life outside of work, right? But we still want to get the benefits of investing in real estate. And so that's that's really the goal here is to encourage that. And, and you know, you don't have to give up your professional career. If you love your professional career, um, if you love spending time with your family, all of those things, you don't, you know, there's, there's different levels of investing, right? There's different levels. Um, you can be a full-time, that's great. Um, you know, maybe that's a goal, um, but you also can be, you know, that quote unquote everyday person that's out, you know, working their job because they love it or they have another business or a career or whatever, or you stay at home mom. Um, you want to you spend a lot of time with your kids, but you also want to invest in real estate. Um, and, and hey, you can do it. Uh, you can do it. And there's ways to do it. And um, again, we talk to people um, that, that show that they've done it and, and uh, you know, they encourage you and show you that it's possible and then try to give you some um, shortcuts and tools and, and tactics and all that stuff to be able to make it happen for yourself. So um, with that, uh, today I am going to talk about uh, making your flip shine and what to do to be successful if you are in the game of flipping. Now, I will step back here really quick and say that um, flipping real estate, you know, doing remodels and reselling them, buying something with the intent to improve it and then resell it, um, isn't necessarily investing in the truest sense of the word um, because you're you're doing something active. However, um, there's an investment component to it, right? So just with that caveat that um, it's not maybe like true investing in the in the um, in the sense of the word. Um, you're creating product. You are kind of creating a job for yourself, but um, your your goal still is to put money and capital to work and have it come back uh, with more. So. Um, let's dive in and let's talk about this. I'm going to kind of break this down into like do's and don'ts essentially. So what, what should you do and what shouldn't you do, uh, when you are doing a flip and, um, a, a number of these things I've picked up just, you know, networking and talking to people and, and just the experience, but a lot of it's, a lot of it's personal experience, uh, from my own deals and things that I've done right, things that I've done wrong, um, things that I've learned from. Um, from doing my own projects. So uh, with that, here we go. So let's talk about what to do um, and we'll start there with the positives, right? Um, so the first thing is is huge. So do the right things in your remodel. Um, and what I mean by that is you gotta know your neighborhood. You gotta know the product that you are trying to sell in the end. Um, you have to know what, uh, what kind of finishes to do. You have to know what uh, what kind of changes to make, how much to upgrade it. Um, all of that stuff is, is a huge part of doing a remodel project in a flip. Because if, if you do the wrong things, uh, you're gonna have a harder time selling it. You're not gonna get as high of a return on your investment. So you wanna make sure that you understand what you know, the neighborhood, the product that you're buying, uh, the demographics, who is your end buyer, and that way you can cater your remodel and your flip to to that. You don't want to just go in and just start doing, um, you know, just whatever in remodel and make it 
making it nicer, but not really necessarily what the market is looking for. Um, so you really gotta know and know what's gonna shine in, in that specific niche in the market. Um, again, whether that's first time home buyers, if it's at a higher end flip, um, you know, what, what is it that you're gonna be selling in the end and um, how can you make it shine in that space? Um, and I'll even add on to that, um, you know, do, do, do it within that realm of what is normal in the market, quote unquote, right? What, what are other homes selling for? What do they have and all that? But try to do it a step above that, right? Try to do a little bit more, stand out in the crowd, especially as the market has, you know, slowed a little bit here. You wanna stand out in the market and you wanna be the one where people, if people have multiple options, um, you know, for years we had, you know, basically here's a house, do you want it or not? <laughs> I mean, it was essentially, uh, how it felt as a as a buyer, right? You just you want it or you're, do you not want it, right? There's uh, um, there just wasn't a lot of options, and so there's not inventory still low, um, but it's not moving quite as quickly. Uh, you know, buyers can be a little bit more patient, and they do have a few more options. So you want to be the one that they pick if they're looking at uh, multiple options, right? So do those little extra things that are going to stand out and make make your product look better than um, the one next door. So. Um, know your audience okay this kind of goes along with with the first part of it um but uh with the with the extra little uh twist of, of make sure that you're you're doing a remodel to their taste and not to yours it's really easy to um get excited about doing a remodel and remodel it like you're gonna live there um whether that's to the you know the style of finishes or whether that's um the the level of upgrades you're doing and um you really need to make sure that you're doing it to your end buyer and not to your taste or not to what you would want if you live there because um it may not be the same level of home that you live in it may be you know a step down it may be a step up um so it, and it really doesn't matter what you would live in it matters what um your end buyer is looking for right so and they may be in alignment in some things but they but they may not um so you have to make sure that your your influence is based on trends and what the marketplace wants and not what um, you would want if it was your house um okay let's move on to the 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 finance side of it uh have a realistic budget wow okay so simple right um but it's really easy to um to, to not have a realistic budget. I mean, I've, I've underestimated uh, many times on, on flips. Unfortunately, um, earlier on, uh, before I learned uh, that and, and you know, like, oh, this will only cost this much to do. And, and, you know, obviously if you're shooting from the hip and you're not actually getting bids and, you know, just more or less, if you don't know numbers for remodel, you're just, you're, you're gonna set yourself up for failure and for um, underestimating your, your remodel costs. So have a realistic budget, talk to contractors, um, get people, in there professionals that are going to be doing the work to give you bids um and, and as you get experience in remodeling you'll get to know what those numbers look like and you can put a pretty decent budget together that's going to be fairly accurate before um you even have your contractors in so you can walk into a, a property you can kind of know what needs to get done and you and you know um, what that general budget is going to look like within you know it you know, maybe some sort of, mar you know, 10% margin of error or something like that, which you can, you know, get close enough anyway. Um, so you have to, have, but you have to have a realistic budget. You, you don't want to go in and say, oh, I can do this remodel for 10 grand, right? I'm going to do this. And, and I see this, especially when people are like, oh, I'm just going to do the work myself. Um, and so it's not going to be that expensive. Well, um, 
couple like sidebars there. Number one, you shouldn't be doing it yourself. I, I understand people that, you know, that's where you start a lot of times. That's where I started. Um, you definitely don't want to stay there. You want to have professionals doing the work. You don't want to be giving yourself another job again. We're busy. We're, we don't want to be adding more to our plate. It's enough to just manage a project, let alone um, actually doing the work. So um, you don't want to be doing that. Um, but, uh, you know, so you, just, you have to know realistic numbers and you have to be um, putting putting real numbers on there and not just like, oh, I'm, I can do this for cheap because I'm going to do the work for myself or on, on my own and, and just get in and do this. So um, uh, another piece that goes along with that is plan for the unexpected, right? So um, no remodel goes exactly as planned. There's always things that come up um, that you don't foresee, especially you start opening up walls and you start doing bigger project stuff. It's I mean, even on cosmetic remodels, um, you're gonna run into stuff, but um, especially if you start opening up walls and doing some bigger stuff, I, I mean, you have to have a contingency factor in there along with your budget. You have to um, plan for those unexpected things because you, you know, expect the unexpected, right? Um, so just put a number in there, you know, 10 or 20% added on top of um, your, your remodel budget and um, just plan that you're gonna spend it. And you just don't know on what yet, but it's gonna get spent. Um, get multiple bids. Okay. Um, bids can vary a lot and, um, and you know, you want to make sure that you're paying a fair price for the work that's being done. You're not getting over billed, um, overcharged for the work. Right. Um, at the same time, you don't, you know, if you get one bid and it's really, really low, it might raise some questions for you. Um, why is this bid so much lower than the other ones? And then, and then you got to do your due diligence on, uh, maybe they're just really well priced, but maybe there's some reasons that um, that they're so low that uh, you need to be aware of, and maybe it's a red flag. So definitely, there's multiple reasons to get multiple bids. Um, I'm not a fan of just like, you know, pitching everybody against each other, pitting everybody against each other, and, and trying to, you know, get everybody down on price. I, I'm all for like negotiating a good deal, but you know, pitting everybody's numbers against each other. Uh, find a good, you know, get comparable numbers. Um, find a reputable, reputable, good contractor and use them and pay them fairly. Okay. So, um, uh, and then that goes dovetails right into the, to the last one here, which is, uh, hire two professionals. Um, cheap is usually cheap for a reason. Um, and we don't want to do cheap remodels. We want to do remodels that are, um, quality that are, um, you know, stand out from the rest. Even if you're in an entry level price point, you want to be, um, you want to be the, the nice house in the entry level price point because it's going to sell that much quicker. You have quality work that you can stand behind that, you know, um, was done well and you can be proud of the product. Um, and, and the thing, the other things with not hiring true professionals, you, you know, you have bigger headaches, you're going to have other things you're going to deal with, um, that just comes with hiring cheaper labor usually. Um, and you're going to have lost time, all sorts of things that can come up and before you know it that savings is um is gone because you spent it in lost time or dealing with things that you were, didn't want to deal with um or bit things got missed in the bid and all of that so, i mean there's lots of things that could go wrong so make sure you're, you're vetting the bids make sure you're hiring true professionals everything from the um you know the remodel side of it all the way through to the sales side of it um I, obviously i'm I wouldn't say bias there, but of course, you know, you gotta, I, I am a realtor, so 
um, you know, take take that for what you want. But um, but yeah, I mean, let the professionals do their job. Your job is to manage the project, is to manage the investment. Um, it's not to do the work. It's not to oversee the day-to-day -day work necessarily. It's it's to make sure that it gets done and it's getting done when they said it would get done. And um, and then you know, managing the professionals on the sales end, making sure that your realtor's doing your job for you. Um, they're marketing it properly. Um, and then let them do their job and let them maximize your return um, and take that off your plate. Because again, the goal isn't to do every, every piece of the job because um, we don't want to just replace our job with another job and we don't want to add something in that's going to just take us away from, from the reasons that we're doing it, right? Our family and our um, whatever else we want to be spending uh, that time on, we don't want to just add a bunch more time into it. So uh, do what you need to do, but hire the rest out. Um, okay. Let's talk about actually before I shift over to not, what uh, not to do. One other thing to just always keep in mind in your in your remodels um, is this thing called uh, and you probably have heard of it, but the primacy and recency effect. So um, this has to do with like the power of persuasion, which is really what you're doing when you're selling a property. Is you're you're trying to persuade a buyer that this is the property that they want to buy. Um, and so what primacy and recency is, is primacy is what, what do they see first? What do, what do they see when they first pull up to the property? What do they see as they're, uh, as they're walking into each room? Uh, what are those first things that they see? And are they things that you want them to see? Are they things that are going to make them want and desire the property? Or are, there, are they things that are going to turn them off? Um, and this is so important because... Uh, I see people write things off as little things and um, oh, it's not that big of a deal because, you know, it's just a front door or it's just, you know, some dead grass in the front yard. I mean, whatever, whatever, take whatever it is. It's one of the first things that they see and oh, it's just a little thing. You know, they can do that, but they're, they're drawing an opinion on that house as soon as they pull up to it. And um, you want that opinion to be like, wow, this is an amazing house. Um, and again, as they walk into each room, wow, the, you know, staging and all of that stuff and drawing emotion out um, is super important. So you, you want to make sure that you're not overlooking that. Uh, look at it from the perspective of someone just pulling up to the to the front of your property. And and what are you seeing? What are they going to see first? And is it what you want them to see? And if it's not, make it appealing, make it make it what they want to see, because that's what they're going to remember. So the other side of that is uh, the recency effect. So what as they're leaving and and what and what sticks in their mind after they've left um as the highlights right so um the first thing they see the last thing they see and, the, and kind of what what stands out to them um those are super important and and it's gonna be the difference maker in um you know your returns on your project because you're gonna sell it faster um you're gonna get a higher price all of those things if you're paying attention to those little details um, you can only make a first impression once. And if that first impression is poor uh, for your property, then um, you know now you gotta now you gotta spend the rest of the time that, that they're walking through it um, trying to get them to forget about that first impression. Um, and it's a lot easier to make a really good first impression first. And now they're already of that mindset of like, wow, this is a nice property. So they might even overlook other things. But if if their first initial responses uh, i don't know about this and the, that primacy effect isn't there now they're now it's the other way around now they're going to be looking for more flaws right um so you want to you want to set that that tone in the first impression um for sure okay what not to do um wow i've done this one before 
um, don't over improve uh, for the product or for the area. We talked a little bit about this in the do's and that's, um, you know, do the right things in your remodel. So this is a don't do the wrong things, um, which is, you know, over or under improve for um, the product or the market. Um, there's been a lot of, and in this, uh, with remodeling it for, you know, hey, I want this to be really nice. I want it to be this, I want it to be that. Well, it wasn't necessary in some of my projects that I did. And I, yeah, I felt good about the house that I turned around, but um, I, I could have done a little less, not from a quality standpoint, but just from a, a finish standpoint, I guess, and, and some different things that I didn't have to do um, to upgrade. Uh, and, and I could have done much better on the project. Um, but, you know, you, you want to you wanna make sure, again, I, I say be a little bit a step above um, what's like considered normal in that market. That way you're standing out, but um, don't over improve it where because you're, you're not going to get the money back out of it um, and don't under improve it either. You don't want to be the, you know, a step. You definitely don't want to be a step below what is normal in the market. You want to be at least level with it, um, if not a step above. Um, don't cut corners in your remodel. So you can do a lower um, finish remodel and not as nice of a remodel. That doesn't mean you have to cut corners. That doesn't mean you have to do, um, you know, work that's not quality and, and overlook things and cover things up and things like that. I, I that, Don't do that because they're going to come up in the inspections. If they're not found there, you're going to find yourself uh, maybe down the road having some issues with people saying, hey, I, I found this after I bought it and um, and you covered it up or whatever. I mean, just go to bed sleeping well at night knowing that you did a quality project, that you're turning stuff around, you're fixing things that need to be fixed. Um, you're not over improving it, but you're, you're not covering stuff up and you're not hiding stuff, right? You, you got you to gotta define the, the space. You got to give people that emotional connection. You got to make it so people can see themselves living in there. Vacant houses are very hard um, for people to do that. So if you, yeah, you're spending probably a few thousand dollars um, staging a home for resale. Work it into your remodel budget. Work it into your budget. Know you're going to do it. Um, if your if your flip project doesn't work because of a few thousand dollars of uh, of staging costs, you bought the wrong project. Okay, you're too skinny if that if you can't afford that that additional cost, and you're probably gonna get it back in resale anyway because you're gonna create that emotion for the buyer, and they're gonna want to they're gonna want it, and multiple people are probably gonna want it, and so you could end up with you know multiple offers, and and you're gonna get it back. Um, so don't cut corners in those things. Don't cut corners in your contractors. Don't cut corners in your sales professionals. Um, don't cut corners in your remodel. Just don't cut corners. Do quality stuff. Hire quality people. Um, don't go in too skinny, which I alluded to here in the previous comment. If you can't afford a you know, few thousand dollars of staging, you probably shouldn't have bought that project because it means you, um, you went in too skinny. Now, I'm not going to get into the details at this point, but there are instances where um, doing a project and not making money in the short term potentially could actually make sense depending on um, what kind of terms you got for the for the deal. So um, if you were able to negotiate um, some e extremely good seller financing terms and you're able to make it so that um, you can you know move you know it's long term, low interest rate, all of that stuff, and you're able to um, to move that uh, and re-collateralize that uh, into another project, 
you don't necessarily have to make money on that one deal because now you've got this other financing that you can turn around and, and use on other projects. So I won't get into the nuances nuances of that today. Um, we'll we'll chat about that um, at a later at a later time and how some of that works. But um, that would be the caveat to that. Um, going in a little skinny, but getting something else of value out of it is fine. But if you're just turning it around and, and making a profit and that's all you're getting out of it, don't go in too skinny because um, you know again for the for you're risking you're risking you're you're putting your money out there you want it to come back so you're you need to make a good solid return for that risk um and i see people you know all the time um you know especially when the market's been so competitive you go in and and, and or if you're or if you're comparing it to a job or whatever right oh man i can i can turn this around i can buy this four hundred thousand dollar property and um, I can put, you know, a hundred grand into it and I can sell it for five sixty or whatever. And after sale, I'm going to make like 25 or 30 grand. That's pretty good. Right. I, you know, it sounds good, but I mean, for all the work and you're probably a six month project and, and you know, what if something goes, it's really not as much as you think. Um, so, um, don't be greedy, but don't, but you want to be conservative too. Um, you don't want to be so skinny that if something goes wrong, um, now you're losing money, right? That's how you that's how you go out of business, and that's how you you know lose your investment, and you don't want to do that. So, um, don't go in too skinny. Don't be um, overly conservative, you know. But also, you know, put some fudge factor in there, and, and, and give yourself a decent return for your time and effort, and for the risk that you're that you're putting your capital at risk for, right? Um, this is a big one. Don't overlook obvious flaws um, or things you'd have to explain away. Um, a lot of people were able to uh, offload um, some fairly undesirable properties that uh, over the last few years, just because the market was so tight um, and buyers were overlooking a lot of things, right? Busy streets, uh, huge trees right in the middle of driveways, um, you know, like just weird floor plans, uh, you know, locations that were less than ideal. Um, all sorts of stuff, but it was like, well, this is what we need to do to get into a house. So um, we'll just overlook this stuff. Well, as the market, you know, is a little bit less competitive, um, you, those things become more of, issue, of an issue again. So now you've got um, people that they're not going to overlook those things. And now you've got to explain away um, the, the, you know, field lights for the baseball field that are right in the backyard and super bright. And um, you know, shine on on the back windows until 10 o'clock at night, or the busy road that's just got traffic going by it all you know all throughout the day and, and night, and um, you know, or the weird floor plan that just doesn't flow uh, at all and is just funky. You know, it's got a lot of that functional obsolescence going, and, and it's just it's just weird. Um, those are things you need to pay attention to, and, and make sure you're buying something that, um, again, knowing your end buyer. Um, what are they willing to accept? Um, and and do you, you just you, the more you have to explain away, the more risk that there is, you know. So um, you you got to be looking out for that stuff. Um, you know, make sure you're looking for those turnoffs, and um, and you know what those turnoffs are, right? And and that you're not uh, buying something that has a whole list of turnoffs that people are just gonna make people um, shy away from it, right? Um, don't try to squeeze every penny out of one deal. Uh, price it right, get it done, and get it sold, and move on to the next one. It's really, really easy to try to say, well, 
you know, I, I could probably squeak another 10 grand out of this if I, you know, do this. And, and this goes on the sales side with pricing it and with um, the remodel side. So um, you have to consider that you might have a range of buyers, right, that, that, that could buy this. And here's, that's a little lower end remodel. Um, and here's what that's gonna take to do it. Here's a little higher end remodel and here's what that's gonna take to do it. And maybe the higher end remodel um, is gonna take longer to do and it's gonna be more of a hassle and you're adding some more risk now. Um, and then you have to price it on the higher end and all of those things that, that can, you know, yeah, maybe you'll make a little bit extra money, but um, is that extra 10 grand or 15 grand or 20 or whatever it is, is it worth that extra risk, that extra, extra time, um, that extra effort? Um, pricing it on the high end versus just pricing it, you know, very competitively and getting, you know, good buyers coming on it quickly and selling it quickly versus it lingering on the market. Those are all things you have to have to consider. So, um, and I learned that in my remodels too. And some of those ones that I did, it's like, you know, hey, okay, yeah, I made a little extra money, but like, I also took two extra months to remodel it for that extra money. Was that, was that worth it? I, I should have just done this instead and sold it you know, within 30 or 45 days instead of, instead of, you know, four, four or five months. Um, so I, yeah, I made extra money, but for the extra time and effort and, and risk, um, not enough to make it worth it. Right. Um, do, oh, I've done this one too. Um, don't put it on the market too soon. It is super tempting when you are paying on a loan or you are, um, you're just anxious to get the home on the market to put the home on the market uh, before it is ready. Do not do it. It is tempting. Oh, we'll just we'll just start to get interest. We'll start to gauge interest, and and people will come back. No, no, they won't. You want to hit the market at your best when everything's dialed in, when you're all staged, when everything looks amazing. Again, we're talking the primacy effect, right? So somebody sees it first go on the market, and it's like, eh, yeah, it's fine, it's okay. They might even see what you're trying to do with it, but. Um, but it's too late at that point. You've already made your impression. Um, you want that first impression to be the very best impression that you can possibly have with your property. So wait the extra week or two weeks or whatever it is, get it completely dialed in get it shined up and ready to, to show and give yourself the best opportunity to set the best first impression and get that, um, get that initial flurry of activity versus, you know, just kind of throwing it out there and, and testing it and saying, oh, well, I can always, you know, we'll, we'll update it when it's ready and we'll, you know, we'll, we're just going to start gauging interest. It sounds good. It sounds good, but it doesn't actually work. And, and you're just shooting yourself in the foot. It's kind of the same thing along the same lines of, um, as a seller saying, well, you know, Hey, we'll, we'll just price high. We'll price high. We can always come down. If you price too high, you're, I mean, I can all but guarantee that you're going to sell it for less than you would have if you would have just priced it competitively in the first place um, because you become old news and you become, um, you know, people just, it's overpriced. They don't want to look and now you're old, you're old news on the market and now you're chasing that, that down and you're going to end up at a lower price than what, if you would have just started at a, at a reasonable price to begin with. So the whole, oh, I'll just, I'll, we'll gauge interest and then, you know, we'll just put it up for real in two weeks or whatever, or we're going to price it high and then we can always come down. Like those, those strategies aren't, are not sound. They don't work. So don't do it. Um, and the last thing is don't try to save money by doing the work. Um, and that goes for the remodel that goes for the sales end that goes for, um, any of it. Honestly, if you're, if you're trying to save money 
in those areas and usually it's because you have to to make the deal work um you shouldn't have bought the property in the first place it wasn't a, a project worth doing if you are the only way that it works is by not hiring professionals um again with the caveat of if there's some crazy amazing terms um, behind it and you're, you're you know it's a one step of, of multiple steps in in some other bigger strategy um for just a, a single flip that you're turning around um it just is not worth going in and uh, trying to save money on those things you're going to end up actually probably losing more than you think because you know uh, your contractors are going to get the work done better they're going to get it done more quickly you're going to spend less time on it which means less money if you're especially if you're paying for for debt on the project um, same goes for hiring your, your professionals, your real estate professional to sell it for you. They know how to market it. They know the market. They know how to push it out there and do the marketing. Um, you know, if they're just throwing a sign in the yard, if that's what you feel like your realtor is doing, by the way, um, you need to get a different realtor. Um, and you need to maybe, if that's what you think all realtors do, you need to probably change your perspective on that, honestly. Um, you know, as obviously, again, that's coming as a realtor. But um, yeah, there are some realtors that, that are, all, it's like anything. It's like contractors, it's like anything, right? That They just throw a sign in the yard and put it on the RMLS and hope for the best, right? Um, and then there's realtors that really, really push the marketing and, and have lists of buyers and know how to get... Um, the word out and get it as much exposure as possible. And those are the realtors you, that you want to be working with. So um, uh, again, if you're trying to save the money uh, there, you, you need to re-look at your uh, your strategy and how you're going about this. And you really need to factor those costs in. And, and the other thing is with these is, you know, even if you are going to do some of this yourself and you enjoy it or whatever, um, you need to consider the what if of what if, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to do the work. You know, I'm going to make this extra profit because I'm doing the work. So two things here. So number one, factor in your time. So you should make money for the time that you spend on the project, but you should also make a return for the for the um, investment. So separate those, make sure that you're making money for your time, and then you're also making a return that's worth it on top of that. Don't lump them together because it's that's how you, um, that's how it makes it look like you're making more than you actually are. You know, you make $40,000 on a project, but you were there every single day for six months, um, you know, plus you put a bunch of capital at risk, you know, you got to separate those things out and look at them separately and see what you're actually, because, you know, realistically, you probably made your time, you know, money for your time in that scenario, but you actually didn't make any um, return on your investment. So, um, yeah, your time is worth, is more valuable. Um, you're better, you're going to have better results with hiring professionals and you're going to get the return back if you hire the right people. Oh, and that's where I was going with that. Sorry, got sidetracked. If you have to uh, uh, account for the what if, uh, which is, you know, what if something happens to you and you can't show up on the job site and you need to hire professionals? Well, now if you've only penciled it with, it only works if I do all the work, um, now you're in big trouble because now you have to hire professionals. You don't have a choice and you you have to have that as a what if. You have to be able to, you have to, be able to hire people to, do the job, even if you do plan on doing some of it yourself um, in case something does happen. So uh, that's what I got for you for today for your flips. Hopefully that is helpful to everyone out there. Um, I like doing flips. I, I've done um, quite a few of them. It's, it's always fun to see the beginning and then the end product. And, and I like taking ugly things and making them pretty, right? 
and uh, and having something you can be proud of. And um, you know, in the middle of it, it can, sometimes it's not fun, and you're like, why do I do this? But um, but at the end, it's like, okay, this is really cool, and I and I took this really um, poor piece of property and I turned it into something that I can put it back on the market. It's quality for somebody. Um, you're improving uh, the neighborhood and the market and and all of that stuff. So um, I enjoy it. Uh, I don't. I think there's, um, it should be a piece of your business. Maybe, um, it, you know, again, you're creating inventory, you're not investing, you're not doing something that's long-term and creating recurring income for you and all that stuff. So, um, do it, create income, but then turn around and, and put that back to work in some of your long-term hold stuff. Um, that's my favorite way to do it is to create capital and, and some of these shorter term deals and then turn around and re redeploy that capital, um, into the longer term investments. So, um, Thanks again for listening. Ben Nelson, the Everyday Real Estate Investor here. Uh, feel free to reach out. We'd love to chat and connect and hear more about what you're doing. And until next time, make it a great rest of the day.